We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. and walk it up in a two, three zone. It's like, this is not the same sport. Yeah. I, um, I personally, by the way, guys, welcome to Banjo, world's most ethical college football podcast. So back to our college basketball discussion, I enjoy the variety of it. I, you know, obviously of 54 to 52 games, it's not aesthetically pleasing, but I don't know. I think there's a charm in that. I mean, these are a bunch of future like accounts receivable workers that are just like playing on the biggest stage. And that's like kind of cool to me. There's some, there's an inherent charm about that. I like, I mean, I like March madness because it's cocaine. Um, but I just can't watch. I just can't watch college basketball anymore. And again, I know that I, I, I mean, we're inevitably leading to the end of me just giving up, uh, apparently watching sports entirely. But I do think that there is like, I mean, like I was saying before we were recording, I don't have time to watch all of the NBA. And so if I'm going to spend time watching basketball in my free time, um, I, I simply just need it to be LeBron James and uh, people of that caliber. And did y'all see LeBron James last night? That man, <laughs> I do think, I do think he did say something about like, he saw a Cavaliers, an anonymous Cavaliers front office uh, person um, that was gave him a look after he missed a shot at the end of the third quarter that he didn't like, and he used that as motivation. I think he does pull motivation from. I mean, he's the best player that's ever touched a basketball, but it he, his him needing to pull motivation, a la Nick Saban bulletin board style, is is always very very funny to me. It's like, dude, you're the best. You're the best athlete maybe to have ever lived. Like you don't. You don't need to pull this faux, faux motivation out of anywhere. I just think, you know, the the NBA, except when you get to the top level of players, so guys like LeBron and KD and Giannis, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but the majority of the NBA, you know, all of the NFL, you know, all of ML, not really baseball, but 
you know, a lot of it is the same. Major college football at the top half of the P5. A lot of those games end up looking very similar to each other. Whereas you take a team, like, I'm just going to use this example. Alabama just, like, scored 105 on LSU in Baton Rouge last week, and it was just electric. And today they just scratched and clawed to a 70-59 to win against Kentucky at home. The same team, exact same players, same coaching staff, everything. And I just – I don't know. That's very interesting to me, and I think a lot can be taken from that experience of, you know – not knowing what to expect out of college basketball. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's only happened once where one seed's lost in the first round, but I mean, damn, how many times did we get a 14 over a three in March Madness? It was like yearly, right? At least every other year. It's, it's never happening in like any other sport. Georgia, uh, Georgia being nine and five, uh, led in scoring by a five foot 10 point guard who scores. 13.9 points a game is just simple. I've just simply seen that I've seen that college basketball game. Uh, I think a hundred times already in my life. I just, I just don't, I can't subject myself to any more of it. Andrew, I, that's a, that's a Georgia problem because even programs like Ole Miss can recruit exciting players that you enjoy watching. You have no one to blame, but yourself and your own university. And the difference is the programs that do it consistently, unless you just have like a thing like Virginia or Syracuse or whatever, because to KP's point, like Alabama is the type of team that gets people into college basketball because it's fun as shit to watch. They fall up and down the floor. They pretty much double your average team's possession total to game and jack up threes and layups to where I watched Virginia Syracuse because I had action on it last night um, and watched them just walk the ball up the court and watched a five nine-ish guy for Virginia run through the middle of a 2-3 zone, basically like a uh, kind of like a little kid on cocaine, like never was a threat to shoot. And I was like, this is not the same sport as what's going on between Cleveland and the Lakers right now. It's just not. No, and I mean, like, I'm never uh, – I'm never – if I went to one of those schools, obviously I would never complain about winning. Uh, but, man, it would really be like Tony Bennett's your head coach. It's just like, all right, so, like, we're going to score 54 points and win like for 15 years like this just this is the basketball that i'm gonna have to watch as a fan of for i don't know uh 25 of my waking existence uh, but, seems. but but if you're good it's exciting at least for that fan base like just what alabama did to teams from like 08 to 2012 or 2013 it's like yeah like other people hated watching that but Within the game itself, it was exciting, especially if you could draw them into the muck with you. You know, like when Virginia loses a random ACC game, like fifty-five to forty-six, like that's hilarious to me. Truthfully, it is, and that, <laughs> and that happens. That's happened numerous times. Then, then, and you just get to, to like one last thought on that. You just get so many absurd stats. There was a stat last night. Um, in West Virginia, Texas Tech or whatever, like three minutes to go in the game, I believe Texas Tech had 27 points off of West Virginia turnovers, and the inverse was West Virginia netting zero. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> on, uh, on any given – sorry, go on, Drew. Oh, I was going to say the only thing that I, I – I, I, 
the only way I get back into college basketball is if Jerry Tarkanian comes back from the dead and starts coaching again. I will support his team and his team only. Jerry Tarkanian is coaching right now. He just wears Argyle a lot and talks like a Southern preacher. He's Roy Williams. He's t- <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Although I would, I, I, KP, I would kill you in cold blood to just be able to look in Roy Williams' clo- uh, shoe closet. Oh, I, I, I hope you would. I do the same to you. Fellas, uh, th- this is the world's most ethical college football podcast. Um, so, R- Rippy, you are more aware um, than all of us on this. And as an actual reporter in your heyday and currently, just in another fashion, I want to know, you know, what do you know about the Plains in Tennessee? What have you seen? What have you heard? Are there, wait, hold on. Are there planes in Tennessee? Oh, those planes. I thought you were talking about like dumb Auburn planes. No. Sorry, different. A-I-A-N-E-S. Okay, sorry. <laughs> that took me a second, too. I thought you were talking about on the planes at first as well, but really not much. I mean, like. They seem to have hired a good AD. Danny White is pretty well well known, despite him, you know, kind of having embracing the whole little brother antic shit. It, you see, but I feel like you have to do that to be good in that particular job. But outside of that, not much. I think they're going to take their time and hire a coach from a pretty unique situation, and it's just leaving time for. I mean, he probably hasn't even fully set up his desk in Knoxville yet, so all this shit's going to take time. It's just leaving way too much time for the internet to just do insane things, like convince themselves that Lane Kiffin is going to show back up in Knoxville. Okay, I got one legitimate question. Um, if, like, how much money would we realistically have to pool together to pay to coach the University of Tennessee? Because obviously, like, they're not going to be high, they're not going to seek out us hiring, but like. There, there, there certainly comes to a point where like this is just a revenue generation game. And so like if we are willing to like balance budgets across the board, like what like how big do we have to get a Patreon going to really be able to uh, to to move and shake over there? No. 20 million a year, 40 million a year. Us giving Tennessee that much money. Oh, uh, I don't think they need them. I think they. I think they do that for a mill. Just a, a nice, like just one. A nice plus mill, and they, it, nothing's coming out. They're not losing money. They they would let a guy just coach for free straight up, and it wouldn't be that much worse than what they've had the last twelve years. I was gonna say five, just because it's a pandemic. Gotta squeeze every inch out of it they can. Yeah, that's true. But it's like, yeah. what's the worst that can happen? We go two and ten and lose to Kentucky. They've done that. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I, I mean, I certainly will be doing one of those things where um, I I take all of the credit and none of the blame. But I mean, I feel like the the two of y'all could actually hire competent people, and then you beat two cupcake teams just based on talent alone. Um, and then, yeah, you're really not sitting like that much worse than the 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 bottom of the barrel that they've been dealing with over the last fifteen years. I have been talking to you know, people, you know, and their mothers for 26 plus years of my life now, I think I could recruit not that much worse than (laughs) Jeremy Pruitt without giving out, you know, McDonald's bags full of cash. I think I can just convince someone to come to Tennessee. My job is sales adjacent. I think I can do okay there. (laughs) 
Okay, so um, and and there were a lot of jokes that got off about that, but like, how much money were I, I, I naturally did not do any research into this, but how much money were we talking in in these bags? Like, because like, I mean, they were saying like, oh, McDonald's bags full of cash. I mean, that like that doesn't seem that unreasonable of a way to like transfer. I don't know, like ten thousand dollars. I might be crazy. I mean, like ten thousand dollars, like physically doesn't op- occupy like that much space. Like, like, like all of the jokes were like just money, like spilling out of these bags. And I was just like, I don't know. That seems kind of like a very reasonable way to like make a shady transaction. I was going to take it a step further and ask how much, because I don't I have no idea how much money was in the bags. That's really like the classic college football rumor of how much so-and-so got until you get to like Leo Lewis and they have to document it. But how much money would have to be in the McDonald's bag for you to not be disappointed that there wasn't McDonald's in there as well? Because I'm thinking five figures if I was pretty hungry. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, dude. Yeah, dude. If, if, if you handed me a McDonald's bag with like, $4,800 in $100 bills and no other, like no McDoubles or any fries, like the bag's going to be impeccably light. Yeah. And we'd be very disappointed. That's the thing. I, I think, look, of course, people have been getting money in bags for decades upon decades. A McDonald's bag is so brazen. Like it's branded very clearly, you know, you, you can't miss it. It's, <laughs> that's what I think the actual you know, I don't want to say sin, but the actual fuck up occurred by whoever organized this. You can't like they have too much brand recognition. You gotta go smaller. What's like an off the radar chicken place? Well, so okay, oh well, okay, so so you were you're getting into we could do maybe two sets of power rankings on maybe one fast food restaurants that to drop bags, but I'm I was more thinking like what are the ideal bags then to like transfer someone like you're obviously doing all of this in cash this isn't like a hundred dollar handshake or anything so you're not just like like the thought is you are not just handing this like like a wad of bills into their hand like it's going through some vessel so like what are you doing like a briefcase like my thought with the mcdonald's bag is like at least like the bag you get rid of it like you're just gonna hand somebody a fucking briefcase i don't know a briefcase seems like evidence like a backpack like like a backpack seems like evidence it's like i i don't know you just gave this random why why does a 17 year old have a fucking briefcase it has to be raising canes and i know a lot of people have their own opinions about canes but if you there's a canes bag but you know what the canes box looks like you can put some serious cash in the Canes box. And you can just you can even get rid of the bag. You can just carry the box around. It's been like, hey coach, I'm gonna go eat lunch in the locker room. All right, cool. And then boom. That's it. And if you know the construction of the box, it's got like it's got like the one long portion and then the two smaller portions. So you could probably get, I don't know, 15, 20 grand and then still two cane sauces. And if you leave the food in there, doesn't it technically give you plausible deniability that maybe a worker stuck 10000 in there? Well, also, okay. I mean, like, hear me out, though. If a, you, Like, if you get canes and you have money in there, you, the, the smell is very distinct. No one's going to, like, if you walk in with a briefcase or a, an, an extra bag, that's going to raise suspicion. But if you if you walk in with like Taco Bell and just cash in the Taco Bell bag, but it still smells like Taco Bell, 
I don't think anyone's going to think twice. Yeah, you got to get the even if there's no food in there, you have to make sure the smell is right. Facts. That's that, that that's huge. I think. Where do you go from here, though? On like bringing this back down to earth slightly, like you don't have a normal candidate pool, right? So this is normally like, and this is not like you know Auburn job or LSU or something opening up at a weird time because of scandal. Like this is coinciding at the time the job's probably the least desirable it's been, and insert how many years before ninety eight, after ninety eight, oh seven, whatever you want. Like doesn't he pretty much? Doesn't Danny White pretty much just have to go pull a buddy? Like, do you just say? Hey Scott Frost, would you like to come to Nebraska South? Like you at least buy another two years. Like what the hell do you do? I, I saw a report that he's like that. Josh Heupel, you know the coach that he yeah. hired to replace Scott Frost with, is a candidate. I don't know if he's a leading candidate or whatever, but he's at least been reached out to, which makes sense. I mean, you hired him at one place and it worked out. And if anything, this is again, like you said, this is like a name brand program, but this is like the the down worst it's been in 22 years or more, or I guess before Johnny majors, right. Um, this, is, this is the worst scenario they've been in. So I, I, you just, I guess you do that. If you're Danny white, you do it for three years. Say, look, what else was I going to do? I, I got a guy I trust for a good price. Oh, cool. He can come here and do whatever for three years. Then we can reevaluate. So from, from his perspective, like, isn't this almost a layup? Like most coaches, college football or athletic directors, I say, when they take a job, they don't really get a layup as it pertains to the football coach. I mean, Ross Bjork was came in right after Hugh Freeze that didn't count, and then he makes a he lets someone bully him to hire Matt Luke, and you know if he hadn't have fallen upward, that was kind of it for him. Like you don't really get a freebie with football. And he, this is the closest thing to it, isn't it? KP, I was I was just thinking of um, you saying. I got a guy I trust for a good price. And if you just said it in an Italian accent, I think that that might be really, uh, I think that would really bring it home. <laughs> I just, at, at Tennessee, there's not much they can do because we talked about this on an earlier episode. Fuck, what did we talk about? Earlier? Oh yeah. Sorry. Brain fart. Um, Kevin Steele is already there. Right. And yeah, it may be smart to just kind of let him do the interim thing for a full year. But as we've seen, Kevin Steele is just going to try to die with this job, right? There's no way, <laughs> like, there's no way that you let him be interim for a year and then he just allows you to hire somebody else. No, there. I mean, there is definitely some like Ryan Rosillo, like oh, this is like when your girlfriend and your type reference that I feel like I can make here. But um, no, there's definitely I, I I I think that Kevin Steele is. I mean, like at this point, like, what do you have to lose? Like, you're not going to be like, like, uh, I mean, scratch and claw all you can. I mean, at this point, you, you, you may be the best available option at the end of the day. Um, just because I, Tennessee needs to be very, very careful that they do not end up in, uh, the, uh, other ver like, like if this thing gets too public again, this thing could get extremely ugly again. And then we start talking about Tennessee as a name brand program again, because name brand programs don't really publicly flail in head coaching searches twice. Like maybe one time can be an anomalous thing, but like you let this thing get out of control. And like, we really start talking about like, all right, how relevant is Tennessee? Like how long, like is 20 years long enough to, I don't know, like actually like 
kill goodwill that was done as the the program was founded. I just think it's it's very interesting what they've done post former because every coaching search has evolved a little differently, but most of them have been normal except for the Pruitt fiasco. Like when they hired Kiffin, it was like, all right, cool. This is the OC at USC or whatever. And it's like, he's been around championship programs. He's been around championship players. Let's bring him in. And it didn't, like, they were decent. They left after a year, which, you know, whatever that happens. But then it's like, all right, cool. Who do we get next? All right, cool. Let's get Vince Dooley's son. And he wasn't a good coach, but they zeroed in on him and they went and got him, period. Even if it was bad. And after that, it's like, all right, cool. Who can we get? All right, this guy has Cincinnati playing really well. Let's bring him down here. And they got Butch. And it's like those those weren't great hires. I thought Butch was actually pretty good. That just kind of fizzled out the end there. But uh, the Pruitt search is shaping up to be very similar to this one, right? A Pruitt search. It wasn't a search. It was a coup, and then Fuller brought him in. Yeah. It <laughs> was weird because, like, he gets – what, he had back-to-back nine-win seasons or whatever, and then – you know, I, I've speaking of Russillo references, he and Chris Long, when they used to do a podcast, called this the meme portal, where when you just become the thing to be shit on on the internet, like your credibility becomes a lot worse than it actually is in reality. Because if he goes to Arkansas State and wins, he will have taken Cincinnati to what, if I remember correctly, almost borderline BCS level, goes to Tennessee, like kind of insensitive, like, uh, insecure in his own skin but not an awful football coach and then winning again like if butch is successful again elsewhere it's like that's as big a evidence as anything that it's a tennessee problem right yeah but there is also something that like doesn't really want me to ever give butch chones credit though because like uh, uh, there's there is like Again, I don't know how much of this is just me being like a self-righteous dickhead and wanting to be like very I told you so about a lot of these Tennessee coaches and how much of it is like me actually genuinely not liking them. Um, But like, I just feel like he was a guy that like was always going to be the good recruiter, was able to like drum up the preseason hype. And then like KP was talking about, like, I mean, again, I know that it was like, a kind of an anomalous situation, but like you still lose four games at the beginning of that, whatever, 2000, maybe that was before we started recording, but like they started whatever that 2015, was it 2015 or 2016? It was 2015. Uh, they started three and four and each of the four losses were by like less than a touchdown. It was insane. Yeah. Yeah. The, that's the, just, the shittiest luck. Really, really. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, that, that's one of those where it's just like, I don't know. I, I never felt like Tennessee was remotely a threat and the East is never going to be weaker than it was during this era. So like, I don't know, like, I don't know how you reestablish your program as like, all right, well, like come really slide yourself into this three and four spot in the SEC East. I just think that, you know, they won nine games in back-to-back years with the players that Butch brought in, recruited, and developed. And that has to count for a decent amount. Yeah, they it bottomed out there in year five, I think. But, I mean, who's to say that I, – I mean, Pruitt's first year, they went five and seven. And I think with better in-game coaching, they may win one or two extra games in the regular season. And maybe Butch goes to a bowl the next year. It's hard to say. And then, you know – these things could be Tennessee problems. They could be former problems because I think they're finally get, like, ridding their hands of him because even pre-coup, 
they still just like kind of let him in meetings pretty much that entire decade that he was away. Look, once Tennessee realizes that they are the underdog, you know, it's not the 90s anymore and it never will be again. And they just start, you know, acting acting like the underdog and recruiting like they're the underdog, et cetera, et cetera. Like, and I think Danny White's a good fit for that. Then I think things might turn around for them, but they have to realize they're not on Florida or Georgia's level yet, and it will be a long time before they are. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. It's not just a switch they can flip. 
Yeah, and um, I uh, back to bringing this Tennessee uh, discussion full circle. Uh, Tennessee, we will cheat so good. I mean, like, like one thing I can guarantee you as this podcast, we will pay you and we will cheat extraordinarily well. Um, because y'all have been, I mean, piss poor with that. Between University of Alabama, University of Georgia, and University of Mississippi, and uh, time spent in, in Baton Rouge, um, I mean, that that is what the quadfecta of of uh, skirting NCAA violations right there. Hey, look, Butch was two and three against Georgia, man. Like, not what you want at Tennessee, but, you know – is Tennessee ever going to beat Georgia again? Not looking likely. <laughs> Not great, Bob. And I mean, all the games were close. I'll at least give them that. Now Georgia was it was a weird era, but Jesus Christ! I mean, like they were like close. The they were trying to like hang their hat and saying they were going to keep it close the past couple of years. And these games have been like, I mean, they ended up 26, 29 point games. Like at least the ones in the Butch era, the the losses were close too. Yeah, like, but before the forty-one nothing, you know, ass whooping you guys gave them in that last year, God, that it was rock. it was. I mean, Butch was two and two against Georgia in four close games, like pretty good. <laughs> they, they they threw a pick on the first play of the game, and I was like, oh, this man is getting fired in the middle of November. <laughs> I thought they were gonna win the Georgia game this year for a second. Remember how weird that first half was? Now Georgia took a hold of them in the second half, but I believe Tennessee was oh, going into halftime. Oh yeah, we yucked the we yucked that first snap right over old uh, five foot four Stetson Bennett's head. That's right. That was and that was a weird play. But the rest of that first half, it it wasn't that fluky. Tennessee was actually just playing good football, and then just they forgot how to play football the rest of the season. <laughs> There was, I don't know, I was walking, I was walking around my neighborhood, uh, like, I don't know, two or three days ago. And I just had like the ra- random thought pop into my head of just like, like it, it, it had occurred to me, I was like, Stetson Bennett played quarterback for Georgia for like a significant portion of this season. Like I was, I had convinced myself that that had not happened. That was, me- that was memory hold into non-existence, but like they really, they, they really convinced themselves for I don't know ten days there that Stetson Bennett was the answer. Did a did a small part of you think it would be like um, I God was yeah okay so back in 2014 when you know Todd was suspended and Sony hadn't become Sony yet and I think Nick might have been hurt and Brendan Douglas was RB one against Missouri, right? Oh my God! And, yeah, that rock. And then and then he was like he got like what like 16 carries, 87 yards, yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, and, you, it, and you, did a small part of you think Stetson would do the quarterback equivalent of that, but for a whole season? <laughs> no, I mean, like the, the I think ever like I, I certainly am not gonna shit on the guy. I mean, like he won that. I mean, he dominated Auburn. Um, it was just like he's a fourth string quarterback, and like my my whole thing with him is like it's kind of just been all jokes. Like, like I, I don't mind getting jokes off because it was just like. All right. Well, this is going like this is the option that you have right now because naturally, uh, the team that you have hyped up, you would go into a pandemic year with a knee lesion quarterback and another guy. For, did y'all see this? This uh, speaking of the Jamie Newman stuff that I was about to bring up, uh, Georgia people are butt hurt that he's not wearing a fucking Georgia helmet for the Senior Bowl. People like 
How do people manage to have the mental capacity to care about things like this? Didn't we talk about this? Didn't we talk about the the inevitability of, I guess it was the inverse of, say he goes on to become a first-round pick, which I don't know, I don't think he is or whatever, and like wins a Super Bowl or two. Like that's far, that, that shit's planted in the Georgia media guide for decades, right? It has to be. That has to be shit that, that some bullshit recruiting pitch. I know Kirby's going to spend that. Yeah, we've had four first-round quarterbacks. One of them never played a, a snap here, but... Who cares? <laughs> the legacy, Ma- Matthew Stafford, Jamie Newman. I mean, shit, that might be the best two quarterbacks that Georgia's put in the league in the last, I don't know how many years. What's the I'm far from the first one to make this comment going back to Stetson Bennett or this like joke, but I am a huge believer in the name theory. Do you think if it was ever remotely close to a competition, let's just say Kirby was torn, he was sitting in his office, like trying to figure out. I, I got to make a decision. It was like Stetson Bennett just sounds like a fucking Georgia quarterback. Like I think that kid's name helped him win the job. I mean, oh. you know, you know what the theory is, right? The it has to be an interchangeable first and last name, right? So Bennett, <laughs> Bennett Stetson also works. There have been other guys like this too. Like Grayson Lambert was one that you know <laughs> he was QB one right. for that year. Oh, Aaron Murray. Aaron Murray was another good one. You guys had some uh, Bryce Ramsey also on the team at the same time as Grayson Lambert. <laughs> um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think who else we've. Oh, great! Grayson Lambert was the all time one. Um, who was the kid that like? Maybe there was. Maybe I'm thinking of Grayson Lambert, but there was a random kid that I want to say after Stafford, maybe after Murray too, that started for a year. That in 50 years you're going to look back and go, "Holy shit, that guy started a season." Oh, it was Joe, Joe Cox. Joe Cox. Yes, the That's guy. Exactly. Joe. There's another Joe. one. The guy Mark picked oh. over Cam Newton. <laughs> oh my god, that man. It, God love Mark Rick, but like that man deserved to be fired 400 times after like the 2008 season. Joke. <laughs> Joe, I mean that like that that it absolutely had no no business playing quarterback in Georgia. That team went what like I want to say that was that six to seven season. Yeah, Georgia. Or no, was that the only yeah, yeah, Mark yeah. Rick was not fired after 2010 was because I feel like his salary was. Like you guys were kind of getting a deal on him. Like he probably should have made a little bit more. Um, and I think like Greg McGarity and the university admin loved him. He's a great guy. I've never spoken to him. I think Mark Rick's one of the most pleasant people that's ever coached college football by all accounts. Yeah. And that's the only yeah. and that saved his job. And that got you five more years of Mark Rick Andrew. And now he can go perform whatever Filipino circumcisions in peace and not have to fucking haunt my dreams of stopping Alabama's run attack. Man. That man that man trying to that man trying to recruit uh, the Atlanta area post two thousand and ten is just simply embarrassing. How old is he? I, I know he had like wasn't there a health not a I mean like a legitimate health deal at the end of the whole Miami Shit, thing? didn't he? Didn't he have a fucking heart attack? Yeah, that's what I think it was. I think he actually had a heart attack. He's only, yeah, he did. He's only 60 right now, which, I mean, he did. Holy shit. Yeah, he had a heart attack in October of 2019. Yep. That was, the year, that was his first year out of coaching. 
I just think it's, I mean, if you're Mark Urich, just you kind of played it perfectly. You got to coach one of the premier jobs in the country for, what, 15 years. You, a lot, you don't win a natty, but a lot of success, a couple conference championships. Then you basically retire early to go to Miami for three years. And now you're just making ACC network money. Pretty sweet. Yeah. yeah. No, that really, I mean, and dude, like, he would be a guy that, like, he could be like a mega church pastor, um, but like not like not in a way that he would have to like swindle people. Like I think he could just be like donate what you want, and you would he would be just like on his on his fucking K one that he reports. He'd be like, oh yeah, Mark Rick made eleven point seven million dollars last year at the whatever Healing Place two point church. We need to replace if we replace Joel Osteen with Mark Rick. I, I think all parties would benefit in that scenario. I could see it. Mark Rick would open up San- Sanford during the, during the flood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dickhead Joel Osteen. Oh, God, oh, fuck that guy. I'd always like, I'd only heard of like the legend of Joel Osteen or I'm legends, probably the wrong word, but you get what I mean. Didn't know a ton about the guy. And I was driving to NR- or riding to NRG stadium in a taxi from the hotel and all of a sudden I just passed it and I was like what the fuck is this gigantic ass building and then he's just got his face plastered all over it and I was like oh that makes sense it's insane I, do, I, got, I lord knows I do not like that man um, <laughs> at all so fellas I, I do want to mention this very briefly tomorrow the SEC 2021 schedule gets released um, does it really one, is that always been a thing 1 p.m this, this is the latest they've ever released it and obviously because of the year we've had i think that's why but they normally release it like the october before um but yeah oh boy what i know what games i'm thinking of trying to get to this year you know lord willing that you know i that i or at least enough people are vaccinated what are y'all looking forward to this season Joe Biden, shoot me with a gun, and the gun has the COVID vaccine, please. Um, I don't know. Who are we playing this year? Hold on. Let me show you. I, I do know that Bama's cross-divisional, that's not Tennessee, is at Florida. So I, I am trying to get to Gainesville. There's not trying. I, I can pretty fairly get to Gainesville. Um, I think that's number one for me in terms of game I'm trying to go to this year. Um, I've never been to Gainesville before, and I know you haven't, Andrew, but Rip, did you ever make it down there? No, I've been. I've been. I went I went in 04. LSU, I went to an LSU-Florida game. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's, um, it's terrible. Saban, Saban's, last, uh, Saban's last season in, at LSU. Uh, it was a good game. Joe Adai. Uh, Joe Adai scored a like, game-winning touchdown with like under a minute left. Remember that one. Um, um, but that was a random set. Saban punted with three minutes left. Defense stopped him on a three and out and then got the ball back and scored. It was ballsy. Um, sorry, what were y'all talking about? I was asking Rip if he'd ever been to Gainesville. No, not that I No, Cause in 15, I was like part-time on football. Oh, and then yeah. Here's a real blast from the past. I had mandatory fraternity rush that weekend. And the guy was a huge, <laughs> I guess I'm not going to this. <laughs> so georgia's cross division is arkansas at home oh okay well that's it's not a priority it's not a priority 
No, 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 no. But we have Clem- Clemson open the – God damn it, you, man. you got to get to Charlotte, Andrew. You have to get to Charlotte. God damn it. I'm going to drive – no, I'm, I'm going to fly there, and then it's going to be this whole to-do, and then I'm going to get my hopes up, and then we're going to lose 34 to 31, and then I'm going to convince myself that – Oh, it's not going to be that bad. It won't, like, this season still matters. And then we're going to go fucking lose in Jacksonville again. And then I'm going to be mad. And now I'm preemptively mad 10 months prior. Look, here's the thing. Silver linings, Andrew. Charlotte's pretty easy and cheap to fly in and out of. Yeah, it's not even <laughs> It's not even a cool – it's like Atlanta without the cool parts. Charlotte's cool. and It's nice. Charlotte is nice. It's not cool, but it's nice. That is one southern city I have no – idea anything about like you could tell me any restaurant any sort of scandalous institution any person was from charlotte and i'm like okay cool it looks uh, this is just like it just looks like an entire city made of restaurants that have like those like uh like gentrified like metal bar stool looking things you know what i'm talking about (laughs) it's like it's like the eastern seaboard's checkpoint right it's like if you're traveling down and you're in, in D.C. and you go down. It's like, all right, cool, D.C., cool, going down. And then you finally get to Charlotte. All right, cool. Now we can rest. We can recharge a little bit before we go down to Hilton Head or Atlanta or any parts of Florida. It's just a nice, like, middle ground. Yeah, but the whole the whole, uh, like the whole whole western part of North Carolina is cool as shit, though. Like, all of those like small town, like Asheville and the Highlands and Cashers and stuff, those rock. But fuck Charlotte. I'm just going to say that. I don't really, I've never been there, but I'm just going to say it because preemptively Georgia is going to lose to Clemson. Isn't that where Todd Todd Gurley's from? Todd Gurley is from Tarboro, North Carolina. Let's see how far. I don't know how. I was going down the same path as Andrew with that, is you have so many cities in that area of the country, and I feel like Atlanta is just too big for it to even matter. But, like, I've always heard Asheville is cool. Like, Charleston has a lot of history. Savannah kind of has the same deal. Like, they're those smaller, quaint cities that had, like, a thing, like, steal the valor from this just this average-ass big city in the middle. Andrew, just make a weekend out of it. Just do Savannah. I don't know how far Savannah is from, but, you know, just do a whole Savannah. Savannah is nowhere. Not Savannah. Savannah. I'm, no, I'm thinking of Hilton Head. Sorry. I'm thinking of Hilton Head. Well, Hilton Head's right by Savannah. Damn, you're right. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, this is good. Uh, this is coastal. Th- this is good coastal, uh, um, I don't know, town talk because I, I, I missed out on uh, St. Simon's this year. And no, dude, all of those being like, just a septuagenarian retiree living in one of these places, like having a golf cart that you use as your primary mode of transportation. And like, I don't know, yelling at, yelling at uh, anyone that is, uh, I don't know, driving more than 18 miles an hour. That seems like the life. That does sound fun. That does sound fun. Um, I, I do know. I think, Rip, who does Ole Miss open the season with next year? Is that like confirmed? Do you guys have like a neutral site deal? New, uh, I was about to say New Year's, Labor Day night against Louisville in Atlanta. I was about to say the dome, but now it's Mercedes Benz or whatever the hell that shit is. Against Louisville, Louisville. Yeah. that'll be a pretty fun game. I wonder if Scott Ole Miss, 
Ole Miss motherfucking loves playing not on Saturdays on the opening weekend of college football. Love it. We're supposed to do it this year. They were going to play the Sunday night deal against Baylor. You had the 14 game against Boise. Boise. Maybe that, that, was a, that was a Thursday afternoon. I, I was like eating dinner at 6 o'clock that Thursday, and I was like, why is Ole Miss in the second quarter right now? And then Florida State on Labor Day night in New uh, in Orlando, where for the first thirty minutes of the game, you're like, "Holy shit, this team is winning the national championship!" And then mm. five and seven. <laughs> was that twenty? Was that twenty-eight to six? Uh, uh, like halfway through the second quarter or something? And then we're up similar to Alabama, wasn't it? Twenty-four to three, KP. Oh, twenty-four three. Yeah, just two weeks later, like Ole Miss was the best team in the country for two and a half games. <laughs> That team uh, oh stopped God. Georgia after that, and then that team at the end of the year lost fifty-five to twenty to a five and or a four and seven Mississippi State team. Not only that, that simple. lost fifty-five twenty to Nick Fitzgerald. That kind of made they made Nick Fitzgerald Nick Fitzgerald. To be completely honest, I'm telling you, they could have beat Georgia seventy-five to zero that that day. It, that was. That was the most helpless football team I've ever seen in my entire life. They, they that that game could have been seventy five nothing, and I I think Chad Kelly deserved to do that to that Georgia team. Guess who would not have made a difference? Either one of us, because they're uh, that was pretty much that was borderlining on on all nighter, and I was like, please God, just get me either to a, like someone's couch or a bar, but I have to get out of this stuffy press box because I haven't really seen straight in a while. I was simply just so high at that game. I was just <laughs> trying to survive. I was just so- we got stuck in traffic on six, and I look at my backpack and I go, "Oh shit, Andrew! I I don't have the parking pass. I've eaten yeah, yeah. the house." And while Andrew's driving down the side of the highway at six seven miles an hour tops, I just this what uh, scalper was like, "I got a pass for two fifty, and I was like, "Here's a hundred bucks," and took the pass and hopped back in, and we got on campus. Oh my God! I do. Uh, I will say, I, I think that it is probably like, just for the hope of doing it. I think I'm going to just start planning football weekends. I, I, I mm-hmm. God, for, even if I have to cancel them, who fucking cares? Like, I think just, just for my own sanity, I think I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw some on the book. All right, so hold on. Then everybody, give me. All right, if you, it. So now that we are three people who live. Um, none of us live within what call it a, a, how far are each one of y'all from your, where you are currently sitting to your, uh, preferred college football stadium. Oh, uh, you got it. You got to throw it on Google maps. It's, I, exactly. it's, like 12, it's like 12 hours for me. I could drive it in a day. It's 12 for me. I'm looking up mine right now. Let's see. You're actually a little bit closer, Andrew. Yeah, I, I yeah, New bit. Orleans is a little bit. Uh, Sanford Stadium. There we go. Um, no, not walking. I do not want to walk. Uh, let's see. Eight hours, five hundred forty-three miles. And Rippy, okay. you're Rippy, you're actually pretty close. Not pretty close, but it's like not terrible at all, right? Getting to, about Hemingway from where you are. 
No, so it's that's a weird part is it's like an easy short straight drive to Jackson straight down I twenty, but Oxford there's like no direct way. Like you have to go you have to go through Arkansas and then either Memphis or the Delta. So it's like nine. Yeah. So not terrible. Yeah, I, it Google Maps says eleven. I'm just saying I'm just thinking giving myself seven to get to Baton Rouge and then I know I can get to from Baton Rouge to Tuscaloosa in five. There's probably a quicker way, but you know, whatever, who cares? All right, so if you're doing three trips next year, so let's say you got three trips in you, what three are y'all doing? Um, Cause I'm- I'll lead. So starting off, we we opened the season with Miami in Atlanta on a Saturday, and I just uh-huh. and that's just it's it's not hard to get to Atlanta. There's a million hotels there. You can always find one. Um, huge alumni base. Just tickets are going to be relatively affordable. I think I can probably get in there for 125 or less, most likely. Um, so that's one. Um, I know I mentioned the Florida game in Gainesville. Never been there. That's that's the one I'm 100 going to. And if I can get got to if I can get to Tuscaloosa, I mean we play LSU in Tuscaloosa this year. It's you know that's just sort of a default at this point <laughs> for me. Yeah, I mean the home the getting to a home game is almost like number one priority because it's like I mean you're hitting game and you're hitting city. Yeah, I mean I've been to, I've been to Athens since we played Notre Dame, which sucks. Honorable mention. Um, I now live what like two and a half hours from College Station, and <laughs> Bama comes here this year. So oh hell yeah, that's gonna be fun. So that'll be good. I'm not even putting that on the list because that's like yeah, I can just do that. I can just wake up and decide to do that. <laughs> Rick, what about you? Not to ruin the exercise, but I've got one. I'd like to go to Neyland just because Ole Miss hasn't played there in a gajillion years, and I've never been there. It's one of the couple I haven't been left along with Florida. And then the second one – actually, you know what? I'll go best for last. The second one, I'd probably like to do the Louisville game in the new – or in the Chick-fil-A, whatever the hell they call that stadium, Mercedes-Benz. And then this is the exercise runner, but I'd like to return to Oxford on November 6th when Ole Miss takes on the Liberty Flames. No. <laughs> is that real? <laughs> yep, next, next November 6th, Hugh Freeze's triumphant return to Oxford. I don't think, one, I know on somewhat decent authority, they were exploring the idea of maybe pushing that game back in the contract just slightly. And uh, the second part of that, is uh, I don't think many people thought he would be there in 2022, but here we are. Jeez. I mean, Holy I did not realize shit. that game was actually happening. I mean, Hugh has to just like – is that why he's been lobbying so hard for every job that's open? <laughs> so he wouldn't well, have I to coach Hugh the wants, game? No, I think Hugh wants to coach the game. I, I think Hugh has nothing to lose. I believe he might get a warm welcome. I think he is that just kind of uh, – absent from reality to put it mildly i think in his mind he part of his mind be like you know what we had some good times there it outweighed the bad no I'm, the, here's the thing the good times were great i mean you beat bama back-to-back years that's like so few people have done that under saban um but that's like it right like you, <laughs> like you didn't win the west you went what, like one and four against lsu or something like that if you want to do the Hugh Freeze thing now, yes, that you're exactly right in one sense. Like the Sugar Bowl was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah. The 2012 Egg Bowl, or really that whole 2012 season, because Ole Miss was predicted to go like three and nine by a lot of people, and we're a couple of bad bounces away from legitimately being nine and three, finished seven and six. 
the 2012 Egg Bowl was like a huge day for the program. That's where he made that big self-righteous speech with like Tunzel and Kim Dietschy and all of them standing in the back of the locker room. But the problem is, is you beat Alabama in 14 and then you lose to what? What happened that year? You lose the game where Bo Wallace. That was all, no. Auburn. That's where Auburn broke his leg. No. Game. Arkansas 30 to zero. That, that also happened that year. <laughs> and then you have, and then the, they ended that year. They literally lost like 45 to seven or something to TCU in the Chick-fil-A bowl. But uh, and 15, 15, you beat Alabama Tuscaloosa. You have everyone probably most people. I remember watching sports center for a week, call it Ole Miss the best team in college football. And that team lost to Memphis, Florida and Arkansas. They beat Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi State, and LSU and lost the West. Yep. Yep. It was basically for, for my soccer people listening in, and there's probably a couple of you, it was like a few years ago. Arsenal, like they finished ahead of Chelsea, ahead of Tottenham, ahead of Man U, ahead of Man City, and ahead of, I'm missing, and ahead of Liverpool. Like you finished ahead of the other five, like, premier teams in English soccer and they didn't win the league because Leicester city won the league that year. It's basically the same thing. Ole Miss beat the four people they needed to beat and lost the West. Precisely. Yeah. Except, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Except it was goddamned Alabama that uh, went on to win it. Not Leicester city. Yeah. And but, then, you know, the Arkansas game, the Hunter Henry is what it is, but going to, to Memphis in an 11 a.m. game. that The last three quarters of that Memphis game is some of the worst coach football that's ever existed, and you'll never be able to convince me otherwise. It was an embarrassment. I don't – I just – if I were Mem- if I were Ole Miss, I simply would just not play Memphis. I would simply just not do it. Paxton fucking Lynch. They were up they, – they spotted them 14 points. Yeah, I would uh, – that, that just seems like a not good – that would be like, all right, well – I'm going to fight my little brother, and my little brother is uh, taking steroids. They do it so Memphis will schedule them in basketball, which honestly is kind of fading at this point, right? Like that's not really what it used to be. Yeah, I don't know what Penny's uh, – too much college basketball, Rippy. We're <laughs> done with this. We're done with this. Folks, I see your agenda here. Folks, thanks for listening to the Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Paul. As always, with Andrew Stevens and Brian Rippey, we'll see you guys next week. Oh, KP, um, KP and I are hanging out in Austin. This oh, week. yeah. Andrew's coming to Austin. I'm going to kill him. Hell yeah. That's Woo. awesome. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 